Hello and welcome to Music and Film Saves the World podcast. My name is Chris Rice and this is the podcast where I speak to some friends uh, about music and film and stuff they like. So I try to get ordinary people just to chat about the stuff they like. And today I've got a good friend with me, Dan Whitney. Hello, Dan. Hello there, how are you doing? I thank you, thank you very much for doing this with me. So, have a little introduction of yourself. You, um, you've worked in the music business back in back in the day, haven't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I started. I did a music degree, um, and then uh, started in music management. Then through for various bands for a number of years, and then went through to um, sort of Sony Records for a number of years. Then started making uh, music videos and repping directors. Uh, and then moved into the the dark world of advertising. So um, <laughs> yeah. music was always my first love and always has been. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you've picked today. You've picked your 10 songs. Is it 10 favourite songs or 10 songs that mean something to you? I think I, I really struggled to pick 10 songs as a, as a favourite. I, I, I started playing the guitar when I was very young. My dad was a guitarist and, and he taught me such a range of music uh, sort of from different backgrounds um, over the years that I, I have such a wide kind of eclectic mix that to try and pick the favourite was really tough. So what I've done is pick 10 songs that have got meaning behind them. There's something that sparks a memory or or, or something that, you know, that uh, made me smile um, that, you know, I want to share with you guys today. Cool. And Dan hasn't shared this. I, I like to be surprised as we do it. So um, and we'll talk about it as we go along. So, yeah, picking 10 songs is... I mean, I've always been one of those people. I love a list. I love doing what my 10 favourite songs is. And then you sort of then realise, oh, there's too many of that particular artist in and all that type of thing. Because obviously everyone has favourite singers and bands and stuff. So without further ado, what's your first one? Are these any any order or are they just... Uh, they're, not, they're not really in order. They sort of chronologically, I suppose you could be. But actually, now I look at them, they're not really much of an order. But That's um, the first one... The first song uh, actually comes from one of my favourite albums of all time. And, and okay. it really is something that took me back to my childhood. And it's Graceland by Paul Simon. Um, this was a this was a it's a fantastic album anyway, people that know it. But um, the track specifically was it meant a lot to us because we used to go down to drive down to Spain as kids uh, with a caravan. Uh, and back in the day, we always used to get a choice on the cassette um yeah. and you know me my brother and my sister would choose different stuff and my mum would always choose graceland and graceland's actually a really short album so she was like why does my my choice always not very really take very long <laughs> only like 12 songs or something but paul simon graceland fantastic song takes you right back to sort of when i was six or seven um driving down to spain it's a brilliant brilliant song brilliant track i think we all have those because i can remember we we used to have these dad had these tapes that always used to stay in the car so Brothers yeah. in Arms, Dire Straits was always one that was played quite a bit. And then um, later on, um, when Robert got into Michael Jackson, we often used to have Thriller and Bad and, and stuff on and all that. Um, I can always remember, because obviously your mum used to take us home from school. Get the, yeah. And for a long period of time, Phil Collins, but seriously, was one that your that's mum right, used yeah. to play a lot, which I like that album. I like Phil Collins, so that's fine. But, um, but yeah, that, but seriously, Phil Collins, which was actually one of the, I think one of the first CDs my dad got when he bought them. 
CD player. Now, I just think of that now as from American Psycho now, from the uh, the film that takes me Yeah, there. yeah, that's the problem with Phil Collins, isn't it? <laughs> he has that against him. So, so, but I always remember that because... Uh, um, yeah, that was one of the main ones I remember your mum playing. That would have been a few years after Graceland, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Cool, so what's the next choice? Uh, the next one is uh, an actual song that I had at my wedding, um, which was Candy Statton, You Got the Love. Um, really good. Like the original is is really soulful and amazing, but uh, and we went with that for the wedding as we walked walk back down the aisle. Um, and it's it's just a beautiful beautiful written track. Um, it was there was always a toss up between this one and, and an Nina Simone track, but um, Candy Statton, uh, fantastic artist. Uh, you got the love. Really, it takes me to that place. Whenever we hear it, even our kids now are like, oh, that's the song you had at your wedding. Obviously, they weren't alive then, but um, you know, it's one that Shelley and I still reference uh, when we hear it. So yeah, a great track. Did, um, so is there an original version Candy Statton did? Because the one I always know of is the is the nineties. The source was the, the original, yeah, 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 yeah the nineties dance track version. Yes, the dance track. So yeah, there is an original, um, sort of more soulful, soulful version. But uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it, the source by Candy Statton really kind of put her, I suppose, back on the map. Really, like like a lot of remixes did and still continue to do with some of these older artists. Yeah, because. Um, is it uh, Young Hearts Run Free is always her other big one, mm. which I would imagine yeah. was from the 70s. It's a bit of a disco classic. Yeah. She actually, I saw her um, when I was just going through the channels when Glastonbury was on a couple of weeks ago, and she was performing there. Yeah, I watched uh, that. Candy Statton. Um, but yeah, well, it's a classic dance tune, and it's one also that from the 90s. If you grew up in the 90s like we did, it's one that was uh, played a lot. Um in pubs, clubs, people uh, at home playing it. It was one of those ones on the radio all the time. So, yeah. uh, well, okay. Good song. It takes me back to my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you, well, you might have your first dance. Have you got your first dance? As in the I team? haven't actually got that on here. That was a, we had a Rolling Stones track, um, but I didn't put that on because I, I chose the Candy Statton one. But, well, what's okay? Because I was just going to ask, what song did you have your first? Because obviously I was there, but... Uh, Forgive me, Dad. I don't always remember everybody's first dances. <laughs> well, it's, it's shameful. Um, it was going to be um, uh, under my thumb by the Rolling Stones, but I thought that was probably a bit too much. <laughs> uh, and then you know, we went with um, "Let's Spend the Night Together." I think that's uh, cool, right? Yeah. 16, Sixteen odd years ago now, so it's uh, a while. But yeah, a, a, a Rolling Stones, another amazing band that that would be on the the longer list. Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't sympathy for the devil, or uh, you can't always get what yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right, what's your next one? So next one, this, so you mentioned at the top, I used to work in the music industry. In my first first three years, um, I worked with Iron Maiden. Uh, I was lucky enough to be on the road with them, travelling around the world, uh, and, and really part of that management team that helped um rock was on a bit of a surgence it was this was 1999 sort of 2000 um yeah. when gigging and rock music was really kind of on the way back it was when we just did their big sort of track and we actually signed them uh, yeah. off the back of that record um but the track is run to the hills by maiden now i wasn't really a maiden fan pre-working with them but having spent three years with them uh and, and on the road with them and as a, as a musician listening to their musicianship is just phenomenal so this particular track takes me back to um, i was lucky enough to go to madison square gardens in america and watch that five nights i think played at madison square gardens and i was at the side of the stage 
looking out to a full Madison Square Gardens crowd, bouncing to run to the hills. And Nico McBrain, the drummer, brilliant drummer, he used double pedals, was sort of playing. And as he's playing, the crowd are like jumping. And it just had this beautiful rhythm moment. I thought, wow, that is that is the pinnacle of musicianship, where you've got 60,000 people, whatever the capacity is, just totally engrossed in, in a track. Uh, and it just, you know, a lot of great memories working back in that in that time. Yeah, because I'm amazing that one of the probably the heavy metal band that's really retained their popularity and their sales and, and stuff. Even now, yeah. you know, when they release the odd new album, it's, you know, it's always almost yeah. number one or in the top yeah, ten. Yeah, they've just been at the O2, so it's, yeah, it's, they are fanatical and they, they tour and they put on a proper show, which yeah. I think, you know, has always been their thing. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know. Rock, metal fans are fanatical it's sort of where the name comes from right they are absolutely bonkers uh, it's, it's brilliant, brilliant lovely people it's funny how you you, you mentioned Arvada because when I first started this podcast I had a request from someone um a work colleague uh, or ex-work colleague saying could you do an Iron Maiden um ranking like of their best albums and I was like I have no knowledge of Iron Maiden <laughs> <laughs> not at all apart from a couple of their big big hits that they had um and i don't think i'm going to be able to get through the amount of albums yeah. they have and keep my keep my sanity maybe i don't know but so uh, i, I knew, probably help with that now <laughs> yeah I know. well i i have so we, i have there is a podcast we've done uh, which was i think it was about a year ago it came when it came out Maybe a bit late earlier. Um, and Gareth and I, Gas Jones and I, or I always knew he was a big Iron Maiden fan. He, I said, right, you basically, I'm not going to be able to contribute to this. Let's do a podcast. You tell me your top five Maiden albums. I think that's what we did. And he said, if, if you listen to any Maiden album, listen to this one. It's the one with Can I Play With Madness on it? And I can't remember the name of it. Um, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, it might be. And... And he says, out of all of them, because he knows what I'm like, he goes, this is probably the one that you would quite like listening to. <laughs> Which I, and I did, I did, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've got an eclectic taste. So I'm quite happy to listen to it. It's, um, it's funny how Iron Maiden for a, sort of, can always come crop, crop back up. Everybody, there are yeah. so many fans of it, so many people who've seen them become fans. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's the show. It's the show. Yeah, yeah. It's proper yeah. craftsmanship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. I, I, we had a, I had a great. I was very lucky to be able to spend time in that inner circle for a number of years. It was Bruce Dickinson, the lead singer at that that point. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was back. The scream, they call him. But uh, yeah, 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 cool, amazing. So yeah, what's your next one? I think this is next this is, one. This is, this is, this is my fourth. Fourth. Oh, sorry. So next one. Staying with guitar-based bands, I suppose Guns and Roses. Um, Again, I was very lucky to work with Guns N' Roses um, at the management company that I was at. Um, this was when Axl Rose was writing uh, Sympathy for the Devils. Uh, uh, no, um, uh, Chinese Democracy, sorry. So oh, yeah. it was writing it, not writing it. So it wasn't at their best time, shall we say. Um, but it was great to be, again, part of that part of that group. But going back a few years before that, not not knocking on heaven's door, which this track is, um, you know, listening to it first with Eric Clapton probably was where I first fell in love with the track. Yeah. But then hearing Slash play the solo uh, was something that I learned as a kid in my bedroom to really practice and practice and practice. Um, yeah. So yeah, not knocking on heaven's door, Guns N' Roses is track four. 
I bet you've got some stories about say, Guns N' Roses there, because Ch- I've got China, I've got Chinese Democracy CD, yeah. which I've only played a couple of times. But that's a strange, a strange album, really, because it kept being started and saying, "Oh yeah, this is coming soon, this is coming soon." Yeah. And it did eventually, um, but it eventually, uh, yeah, I got, I have, but not for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, but well, maybe another day. Another day. Yeah. Now I'd be interested to hear it. But yeah. um, well, early nineties, Guns and Roses at school, yeah, were really popular. Yeah. I mean, those um, Appetite for Destruction was probably. We were a little bit young when that came out, but when Use Your Illusion One or Two came out in uh, ninety one, yeah. which is where Knocking Heaven's Doors from, they were massive. They were massive at us school everybody liked but and i reckon knocking heaven's door is one of those songs that's probably better than the original which is it's a real originally isn't it yeah it's a real crossover track isn't it because it's like you think of guns and roses and you think of you know certain tracks and and yeah they're they're pretty heavy in places um but what not knocking in heaven's door was a real i think it was a real pivotal track that uh, expanded their audience yeah. Certainly, you know, from my my world, uh, yeah. and I'm sure I'm not alone with that. But just Slash as a guitarist, and with the vocals um, of Axel is just yeah, it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful track. Yeah. Well, they did a couple because they also did Live and Let Die as well, didn't they? From that period, and yeah. um, November Rain obviously is that sort of real, real sort of early, typical early '90s rock ballad yeah. as well. And that yeah. that sort of doing those type of songs, as you say, brings them to a a different type of audience and yeah. uh, i think it was uh, november rain i think it's november rain where slash is playing outside the, the church church yeah he, he leaves the wedding to he leaves the, the wedding. Wedding. Was it a few, no he leaves the wedding so just he could go and do some uh, guitar uh, playing uh, <laughs> quite famously that that that's that video treatment was written that it was shot in the daytime but axel was so late turning up to the shoot that they had to then film the video at night because he was just late uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it kind of works. Uh, I think, it, well, I think it makes it work now, actually. You know, yeah, not many people get married in the evening, I know, but it's a music video. They're, uh, <laughs> they're not known for their believability. But uh, now, I mean, funny enough, Guns N' Roses is one of those bands that I probably didn't, I mean, apart from the odd track, I didn't sort of really love at the time, but I've, lo- I've appreciated them later on. I mean, yeah. this sort of vinyl resurgence when I've been buying records, Appetite for Destruction and Usual Illusion 1 or 2 are ones that I've gone out and yeah. And but, um, I think certainly the thing about music is that as when you're young, you sit in a certain tribe, right? Yeah. You, you sit with a group of people that like the same things generally, or if you've got outliers that, you know, I mean, I learned a lot of different music, like I say, with my dad teaching me sort of from, right from the Beatles, you know, all around sort of skiffle bands, Lonnie Donegan and, and such. So, and then as you get older, you're kind of, you mix with different people and your, your horizons change. And I think that's where you start to look at, different bands and different artists and different types of recordings and you go actually there's something here which is you know i actually really like so yeah uh, it's always i think with me because i love the beatles so much and still do but i love them so much then about 91 was i didn't say too much i did but i didn't say too much at school because i knew i'd get taken the mickey out so at that point in time they weren't you know they're old music they're old music so obviously i did like new music but you always, you know what you like at school. When you once you get labelled with, that's what you like. Because I was going out and getting Paul McCartney and John Lennon and George Harrison solo albums and all that type of thing as well. I was listening to new stuff, but when the Britpop thing happened in the mid nineties, and and Blur and Oasis said, "Well, Beatles are in are what we listen to." 
it suddenly became cool to yeah. like them. And That's all these people yeah. was like, oh, you... I said, well, yeah, I know, I know. I know they were good. You know, you were listening to Chakadima suppliers and I said they were rubbish. <laughs> what I was listening to was better. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but anyway, the, um, it doesn't, it's, I'm not bitter, Dan. I'm not bitter about that. But, no. Um, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think you're right. You have that. You do have sort of your, your tribes. You have people who like the rock music. You had sort of like the, the goths people, the pop pop stuff, you know, reggae, yeah. <laughs> all that type of thing. And, uh, yeah. Right, what's your next one? Number five is uh, Toto and it's Africa. Ooh. A bit of a bit of a side one. So, uh, I through, throughout my um, sort of rather interesting background, I suppose, um, I was fortunate enough to start working and help, help build a, an agency um, amongst some friends uh, which subsequently sold, but um, this became a bit of a theme tune to myself and a couple of the other partners in the right. in the in the business. Um, and it was it was so much so that when any, anybody ever started, you know, we'd have a little handbook and they'd have the lyrics to Toto uh, to Africa in the back of it. And if they left, we'd put it on as they left. You know, it was a real kind of tune of the business. And it just takes me to a um, a time where. I had a lot of fun and it was we were starting something as, as sort of young guys you know launching a business um there is also a brilliant brilliant um acapella version of this and i forget the choir's name but they do i think they're from south africa and they do it all like they do the rain with clicking their fingers and they do the do the thunder jumping on the stage and it's it's just an amazing accompaniment uh, to what is a really special song um toto had a around that period i think it's from the same album they also had rosanna's another great track yeah. as well and um weezer a few years ago released like a covers album of all 80s covers apart from a apart from no scrubs that was about the only exception on that album and they do a real really good cover of africa and yeah. rosanna um, right. quite a faithful cover to be honest they don't muck around with it but um it's one of those real good 80s rock songs i think the i think the 80s when we were growing up the 80s was seen as incredibly cheesy but i think that yeah. has sort of um that's gone away and i think now people yeah. see the 80s as quite yeah. like a decade for pop music exactly you look at like some of the bands on the top gun theme tune right like you've got ario speedwagon and you've got some of these really sort of lots of hair sort of yeah. rock bands yeah. yeah you know you look back now and you're like that's just a good good track it's just yeah a good song. yeah, yeah. Africa, yeah, certainly falls into that. Um, and you get so many films and stuff. I mean, the the amount of times you hear "Take on Me" by Aha and all those in films and stuff, and Tears for Fears, everybody wants to uh, rule the world, all that type. And yet, yeah, people still revisit those those tracks. And I think um, I think the eighties has had a bit of a reevaluation because definitely in the nineties, when everything became very sort of bands, yeah, and especially mid 90s 80s was seen as a bit cheesy and dated um but i yeah. think things go round in circles and I, I do really think now people look back at the 80s and go a lot of stuff sounds 80s you listen to Dua lipper and yeah. some other artists of that their stuff sounds 80s um, yeah a lot of the time. there's a lot of synth a lot of synth music around now um you know and, and that is like music is cyclical you absolutely yeah. right like Maiden, when I worked with Maiden, it was because rock was back and gigging yeah. was massive and people wanted to go and see live bands. And then, then you had the surgence of like the pop idols and the, and the manufactured bands, which, you know, 
really changed the dynamic of what people were buying for many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over, over 10 years, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and now we're moving back into gigging and, and, and bands again, um, yeah, yeah. you know, which is, which is you know, where my heart lives. It's interesting when you look at the charts, actually, because uh, Gaz and I have measured this a couple of times, and streaming's really sort of changed things, whether it's for the better or not, I don't know. But it does seem to me that bands struggle getting big hits these days um it's yeah it's sort of the pop or dance tracks that the ones that seem to i know it's a lot of the time because people put their spotify in a spotify playlist just play the playlist they're not exactly picking the track they're just listening to it because it's in a playlist whereas obviously yeah. if you used to buy something you choose to buy it um yeah i think I, it actually comes onto one of my one of my tracks but the the change in the industry has been that album artists aren't signed now to multiple album deals, right? They used to be signed to like four or five album deals. I think famously David Gray's White Ladder was like his fifth album or yeah. something. Yeah. Like that nowadays he would have been dropped after album two or album one. Now bands are signed to like two or single two two to three singles deals because there's no because with that because we've kind of the last ten years have been surrounded by kind of immediate fame, immediate success. Um, you know, it's kind of that's what's fueled the industry's kind of investment um, yeah. and actually moving on to the next song Fleetwood Mac you can go your own way from Rumours Rumours is an album that it, it's been played to listen to in order so yeah. Yeah. you know to your streaming point people don't you don't buy albums anymore you buy songs right and you listen to them and, and I think Adele famously said on her last album she wasn't giving it to Spotify because she wanted people to listen to the whole album sequentially because she's written a story yeah. and, and yeah. with Matt did that with rumors right they were going through multiple breakups at the time within the band you can go their own ways is a really heartfelt song about a, a breakup that they they stayed together as a band and kept kept producing fabulous music and it, and it just takes me back to that real craft of songwriting when you hear like you know um daily stewart and, uh, and annie lennox broke up before rhythmics became successful but they stayed together you know yeah and I think a lot of a lot of older artists or new, newer artists should i say um you know are quick to just get just to leave or actually the craft is putting someone together that really can stand the test of time is something that Fleetwood mac did with that with that album uh, and also with that track so that was my um that was my next one Rumours is an incredible album because it's it, even now it, it's still in the top 40 album charts. It's like one of those yeah. albums that it's it's just it's got a life of its own. And I mean, there's many more Fleetwood Mac albums and Fleetwood Mac themselves. It's a strange story how they started as a blues band, yeah. different lineups, how it came in the 70s, 80s. I mean, even now they even now Lindsay Buckingham falls out with them and they get getting yeah. someone else and all that type of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's the story of Fleetwood Mac's crazy, but the, some of the songs they've done are amazing. Oh, it makes you wonder how they the did story, it. Yeah. Storytelling is beautiful. Like the craft of the storytelling and, and how you, the musicianship is, is something to, you know, is amazing to listen to. Yeah. It's a, it's a great album. I, I, yeah. I, I think Fleetwood Mac are one of those bands that I think are always going to, be liked and their stuff always be listened to it's it's a great album it sounds good as well even now you put it on yeah. it sounds really good um it came out 77 rumors i think but um good year yes yeah, so, yeah good year. it was a good year you say vintage year jack Dan. vintage yeah. year for fleetwood back yeah. and vintage year for us <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you do tell you our age now, but uh, yeah. I suppose it's a podcast, so we've got to be middle-aged white guys, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> right, what's your next one? Next one um, brings us a bit more current. Um, this is Griff, a uh, fantastic new uh, singer-songwriter. Uh, it's Black Hole. She is a um, really talented young uh, uh, artist who we were lucky enough to see at Latitude. So one of the things that we do, one of my wife's background is also as mentioned in music. We take the kids to Latitude every year, have done since Max was six months old. Um, we get out there, we get them on your shoulders and we, and we listen to all the bands and, and discover new stuff for the, the BBT introducing tent and stuff like that. So she played one of her first festival gigs. Um, this is a few years ago now um, at that that festival we were at and um just everybody fell in love with her um she's done glastonbury recently not this year last year i think she did it um continues to you know go and do amazing stuff so uh, the kids love it it takes you back to that place where we the sun was shining so it's sort of early evening slot i think it was sort of four o'clock slot you know a festival listening to somebody on stage who's supremely talented so what was her name again sorry griff griff i'll have to, ch- I'll have to check Check it out. Really, really good album. Yeah. Um, I think at the time she'd only done, she'd only had like an EP of like six songs. Yeah. Um, so she put more stuff out now, but um, yeah, really good. Really, really strong. As, 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 um, have you, so has Latitude happened yet this year? Not yet. No, this year it's, it's uh, coming up next couple of weeks. We're not actually going this year. We're going down to uh, Victorious, which is a music festival in Southampton or Portsmouth. Right. So we're going down there in a couple of days this year just to mix things up. Um, there's, a, there's some other bands up there that we're going to go and see. Cool. So we try to we try to do a festival every year with the kids. No, I mean we we last year we took um, Harry to the ABBA Voyage. Oh yeah. Uh, because we thought, you know what, let's test him out, and we thought that that would be something. One, it had it had a uh, uh, had a afternoon showing of it, <laughs> a matinee. And two, I thought, well, there'll be lots going on. So I'm hoping that it will be. And he sat there, absolutely loved it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. loved it. So I do want to take him. Let's try to work, work out. We haven't done we haven't done the festival thing because it's mainly me because I, I don't like camping. <laughs> so if we have anything to do with camping, I'm like, I'm reluctant. Because um, funny enough, a mate of mine mentioned Latitude next year and I was like, is there any way I don't have to camp? <laughs> well, we're, we're not far, you see. We're only like 40 minutes away. So yeah, we drive, course, we drive yeah, back. Yeah, so it's easy. yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, when I've been to, I went to, I, before uh, kids, I, I went to the V Festival, but we stayed around with my brothers who lived in, uh, right. in, in, in <laughs> which was lovely. You had a shower in the morning. Brilliant. Um but uh, who, who, so when you went to see Griff, who, who was the headliners that particular year? Uh, Rag and Bowman, I think. Um, he's very good live. He was going to make the list. He was actually on the list. Uh, the Anywhere uh, anywhere from here, Rag and Bowman, Pink, great track. Didn't quite make the top 10 um, yeah. because of because of Griff hit the latitude kind of memory. But, um, yeah, we've seen loads of people there. Rick Astley was brilliant there. Yeah. Good old, uh, yeah. And then the dance tent and introducing tent, there's some phenomenal acts um, we've been lucky enough to see. Um, over the last, what, he's seven now, so we've been six years on the bounce, I think. Wow. Uh, well, Rick Astley's another one that's had an amazing career resurgence over the last ten years. Incredible, really. But, uh, <laughs> to him. I think it's, um, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters got him on stage to play, uh, I think it was in, in Japan or China or somewhere, because 
the Foo Fighters did, uh, I think, one of his tracks for a live lounge cover. Yeah. Uh, and he happened to be in the same team, town and Dave Grohl in, got him on stage to, to sing it, which was uh, something to see on YouTube if you can find it. And then he does the then he does a gigs and he, I think he did it at Glastonbury with the band Blossoms and they just do Smith's songs, which is yeah. <laughs> so bizarre. Really weird. Cool. Um, so that was Griff. And what's your next one? Next one takes you back to university. Yeah. So at university uh, was in a band, we're a big band, a soul band, um, and we used to sort of travel about. Uh, and this is a song that takes me to, we, we were going down to visit a mate's house, or the drummer in the band actually, uh, and we put this track on and it, it always just, whenever I hear it, it takes you back to that. And it's um, Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner. Oh. It's just got a real beautiful intro with guitar, um, obviously sort of goes goes to my heartland but then just it's a it's just a chorus it just brings people together so it's a, such a good track um that just takes me back to that university days cool yeah that's the, and you played it did you play did you say you played it in the band did you we didn't play it in the band no but we just um because we did more sort of um more soul stuff really right. um but you know because we had three brass um three guitars drummer two singers so it's quite a big and a keys um, but uh, this was one that we used to put on when we were travelling about. Cool. Well, it's, it's a classic, uh, classic track. There's not much you can uh, say. It's like, like Fleetwood Mac, really, isn't it? It's just an yeah. absolute classic track and plays, yeah. still plays on the radio. You hear it so often still. Sampled as well in various songs and on films yeah, and on TVs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, all the time. So, uh, so what number was that? How many more have you got to go, Dan? We've got, we've got two more. Okay, let's go. Number nine. Number nine. So number nine. Um, this is the song that we put on when we put the kids to bed. Um, and this will give you some idea of my, as you say, my music background. It's the Pretender by the Foo Fighters. Uh, <laughs> I was actually lucky enough to work with the director on this music video um, when I was working repping directors. And a guy called brilliant, talented director called Sam Brown sold it to Dave Grohl. Uh, one paragraph and one picture image and this is the music video with the big red um, sort of big screen and it all blows up and the paint yeah. comes through it and yeah. filmed it in LA I think it was in LA in an aircraft hangar um, very you know top end high budget uh, film but just sold on one paragraph of what he wanted to do and capture that story um, and the kids fell in love with the foos a number of years they're, they're you know always on in this house um and uh max rocks out to the foo fighters now molly my youngest uh wants to wants to play the drums i think so it's uh there's many many foo songs that i could have chosen but this one particularly uh because of my connection with the music video uh is something that always makes me smile and we have it on in the in the house as loud as possible yeah and, and the foo fighters one of those bands you know after the sort of breakup um you know, forced breakup of nirvana you thought you wouldn't have necessarily expected Dave Grohl to have this, you know, arguably band bigger than Nirvana in some respects in terms of longevity and I'm sure, you know, uh, amount of popularity they've had and stuff. It's yeah. uh, incredible, really. They've had, you know, they've almost got more, more popular as the years go on. Yeah, they have. And things like, you know, Queens of Stone Age does and different pieces. So he's really... This is such a talented, and also they don't take themselves too seriously. Look at the music yeah. videos; some of them are just fun, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. And in that genre, that's rare as well, I think, you know, to a certain extent. But um, yeah, really classically very talented again. 
um, from a songwriting. Not people might say not the best singer, uh, but you know he's a drummer. So yeah, that's yeah. sort of yeah. like Phil Collins, I suppose. You know, people changing the way that they do things. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a drummer also plays other instruments. You know, it's incredible, really. And uh, I think also with with Dave Grohl, I think as you say, he doesn't treat himself too seriously. I think the rest of the band are like that as well. But also, he always comes over somewhere in interviews. He always gives time for people. He's always, he's, he's willing. He's not like too cool for school that maybe Guns and Roses used to come. He's never, he's never critical of other artists or other music. He's willing to bring Rick Astley on, you know, and all that and work with these other people that not necessarily you would think he would work with. Whereas a lot of no. that type of his contemporaries would have been very sniffy over that type of thing. So, um, yeah. His longevity as an artist, right? He's, he knows the game. Yeah. Um, been around. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good track. Yeah. I'm glad to, I haven't checked out Foo Fighters' latest album yet. So, I've got to. Uh, that's one of my uh, ones that uh, I, I've got to earmark to listen to. So, I'll have to check that out. So, that was the Foo Fighters. What's your last one? Last one. Um, again, slightly clicked it's an Eminem track um, and and I suppose looking down the list now I'm like there's not that many that are quite I'd say modern but that's not that's not out of me not listening to that sort of stuff it's just you know you sort of think about what your songs that take you to different places and maybe because yeah. the historic yeah. uh, length of some of these that's what it does so this is Stan by Eminem uh, this was released in 2000 back at a time where I was uh, again just starting out in the industry um, at Sony and Dido was the biggest thing in the world, right? She yeah. was having a huge career uh, and he sampled her uh, on this, on this record. And it really, for me, it just really, you know, opened my eyes to this, this kind of genre. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I've been a massive fan of his ever since really, just in terms of, you know, the films, the music, the, how he collaborates, the samples, uh, just how he looks at music um, generally. Uh, but yeah, Stan released 20, 2000, I think it was brilliant track. Um, just the softness of Dido with the harshness of the lyrics, yeah. that, that position is amazing. Because Thank You had already been released, hadn't it? Then it was re-released again after Stan. But yeah. I, this might be completely untrue, but I read somewhere, because you know the film Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah. Thank You's on the end credits. And that was about 98. So she had that song around quite yeah. early on, before even the album was released. And apparently Eminem was watching Sliding Doors. <laughs> I can't believe that. I, some, it was on the radio once ago. Do you know how Eminem got found out about, uh, thank you. No, he was watching the end credits of Sliding Doors. I was like, what? Eminem? <laughs> I can't believe that story. But I always find it quite funny that he would be sitting there watching you know, Gwyneth Paltrow rom-com and say, yeah, use that song. <laughs> I think I think it was more to do with the fact that they're the same agent in the US. Uh, right. That I sounds think. more plausible. Can't, can't quote me on that, but I know there was a and and when we were at Sony, we did a lot of work um, with new artists uh, sampling, like yeah. you know, whether yeah. it be for TV ads or or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good track, she, and she's a, was you know still is a, an amazing artist that had massive success. That first that album, first especially, was absolutely massive. Wasn't it? Yes, so I, I think also even though Eminem was already popular, I think Stan also just elevated him into probably yeah. the biggest worldwide solo artist at that point. Yeah, 
again, it's just opening opening the audience to uh, opening that tribe to different people, right? Like we said yeah. before, the the that's the way that real big successful bands have longevity is by appealing to lots of people. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and you know, and having fans that are diehard, like we talked yeah. about Iron Maiden yeah. and and the rest of it. But I think you know, appealing to different people with different genre sort of types, uh, you know, allows people to listen to the different music in different settings and places and it, it opens it up, um, which is what music should do. And I think also people sometimes are a bit sniffing with, oh, they've sold out, they've gone commercial and stuff. But I don't think there's many artists that would say to you, no, I don't want my music to be heard or to be, yeah. or to be or to sell. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are, but I'm, I don't think there's many that do that. And Maybe Bob Dylan now. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong in being commercial because if you're being commercial, you're popular. That's the part of the that's part of it, isn't it? And if you can, things like Eminem with his sort of brand of rap and hip hop, he really did open the doors. And again, you know, nineties it sort of exploded rap and hip hop, and then it he sort of made it even bigger. Um, yeah, as well. So right, so that's your ten. And Dan, if you just quickly yeah. run through your ten for me again, so like a like a chart rundown. <laughs> I like like uh, Steve Wright. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so um, Graceland, Paul Simon's number one. You got the love, Candy Statton. Run to the Hills, Iron Maiden. Not not knocking on Heaven's Door, Guns and Roses. Uh, Africa by Toto. You can go your own way, Fleetwood Mac. Black Hole by Griff. Sweet Home Alabama by Len Skinner. Uh, the Pretender by the Foo Fighters and Stan from Eminem. That's brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Dan, for giving us a bit of an insight into that. And I'm going to have to have, uh, next time we meet up, I want to hear some more Axl Rose stories because I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it was crazy at some yeah. point. But, Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you for having me. No, no, yeah. thank you very, very much, Dan. And, um, yeah, that's that's it. So it's always nice to hear. And as I say, this gives a good sort of a good idea of when you listen to other people. So it's, you know, some of these these Ted, you know, I've known you for many years, Dan, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily know what you would put in that Ted because you just don't always sit there and go, well, what were your favourite songs? You just don't do it often. So, but um, yeah, so it's been great. Thank you very much for doing this, Dan. And uh, you've been listening to Music and Film Saves the World podcast, and I'll be back very soon. Thank you. Bye.